He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. You just tell it's you know they're they're trying to win, and it's it's something to be you know for myself. It's it's fun to be a part of. Just that that mindset, and you can see it's just a collective group, and and obviously there's tons of work that has to happen still, but. Um, you know, it's just uh, you know, rejuvenating to kind of just be around that kind of energy and such. Well, welcome to the party, Ryan O'Reilly. I'm smiling ear to ear still, AB, and it's Tuesday. They acquired him Friday almost immediately after, not immediately, it was late night, but we came off the air. We made some sort of joke like, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you guys Monday. They're going to make a huge trade now that we're off for a few <laughs> days. And of course, Kyle Dubas did exactly that. Uh, welcome into Lee's Lunch, Julia Sherry, Mike DiStefano with you. Darren Dreger will join us. Great guy to have on at this time of year as things are heating up around the league. We'll, we'll get to hear the story of officially how it all shook out and how Noel Chari and, and Ryan O'Reilly officially became Toronto Maple Leafs. I want to know how long this deal has been in the works. Okay? I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious about a lot of things. How the pieces finally fell together. Uh, I'm stoked. Like, as soon as I, I came, it was, Ryan O'Reilly as a leaf is coming out of my mouth on Tuesday morning. I'm still smiling about it. it it's, that was that was the, that was your guy. Like, I, that, I, you were all in on the Ryan I went back through the clips. I said something like, dying for Ryan. Yes. I forgot that I yes, said that. Did. I should have tweeted a campaign. There should have been a hashtag. Okay, if you guys want to see one of the most funny, funniest reactions from <laughs> Julia, go to the Leafs Lunch 1050 Twitter page. There's a reaction. We did our love is, Leafs Love is Blind thing on Tuesday, our little, I don't know, homage I guess to uh, to Valentine's Day where we went blind dating and she ended up choosing Ryan O'Reilly as her guy who she wanted to go on a date with her little perfect match and yeah. she got very excited and I was hype and the reaction was even more hype on Friday that's when what I was going to say from did CHL. you have a similar reaction better reaction like, it was way better because awesome. I wasn't confined to this seat my feet left the ground my boyfriend thought we won the lottery uh, <laughs> he, he was almost a little disappointed to learn that we the least like, required oh, Ryan O'Reilly because he thought there was something way more exciting on my phone. But <laughs> wow, what a weekend! Back to back games for the Leafs. They they win O'Reilly and Achari's debut against the Montreal Canadiens yeah. five to one on Saturday in a very comfortable stomp. Uh, and then they kind of then they lose to Chicago on Sunday, and it's like, guys, come on! Right now, we're trying to buzz about this. Can't yeah. lose to Chicago when we're trying to be excited. They've got the Buffalo Sabres tonight. Hopefully, to write that shift. Uh, ship rather, we'll have Joe DiBiase on about twelve forty to tee that game up. Which yeah, it'll be interesting based on how these. Well, Ryan O'Reilly, yeah. former Buffalo Saber, and he had a very uh, well, it wasn't an amicable breakup, we'll say, when he left Buffalo. So I'm curious to see what their relationship is. We'll have to ask Joe. But like they got Tage Thompson back in the deal, and for a while it seemed like it was definitely a trade that Buffalo had lost. But now, certainly a trade that I think that they won. Now that they got Tagey Thompson, a guy who's probably going to rack up fifty or so goals this year, forty-five at at minimum, I would assume if he stays healthy. So he's someone who I'm interested to to watch tonight in, in the Buffalo game. But you know, through the first two games, like so far, so good. Both these guys. Coming as advertised, right? They're yep. both two players who are reliable on both ends of the ice, really. You had Noel Achari score a goal. You had Ryan O'Reilly, a good opportunity in, in each game. Like, he, Ryan O'Reilly literally almost scored 30 seconds into his Leafs career. Like, if the game gets Montreal, he that, gets the start. The first two shifts, the first three shifts, oh, like guys were dying buzzing. to get over the boards. Yes. You can tell. It was electric. Imagine that arena if you would have 
gorgeous moments in that game. It was oh, awesome. that that place would have popped like Hopefully. nobody's business. Oh, it would have. Yeah. I, I believe that that place would have popped. Like it, it definitely would. I think it's but. because the Habs fans were so on time for the game on Saturday, and the Leaf fans were kind of wandering in. That at at yeah, early, they didn't get the memo. It's like guys, we don't show up until like five minutes, six Toronto, minutes into the first. We're cool you here. Doing? You have to be fashionably late. So uh, right behind. Um, Right behind Wall, I almost said Samsonov. Mm. Uh, to start the game, there was like so much red. There were so many red I jerseys. I texted you guys and I was like, what is going on here? Why is there so many Habs fans? Anyways, it was an electric start to that game for sure. Yeah, Wall played really well in that game too. Yeah. Which I think is notable. Like he's, especially with Matt Murray's injury, like he was now officially placed on LTIR. And so he's going to be out until I think February 28th. Maybe the, I think the March 1st game against Edmonton is the first game that he is eligible to come back. Um, we'll, we'll get more information on that situation from Darren Dreger in a couple of moments. But you know what? All in all, um, you know the, 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 this was a trade that Kyle Dubas, I feel like he felt he, he owed to the team. Like they had given yeah. a lot for this, uh, for this group. And, you know, it's, it's, it was time, I guess, to go all in. Like this is an all in move. Right, like he gave up four draft picks, and like that, ah, Mikhail Abramov, I guess, is still like a middling prospect, might turn into something in the at the NHL level, but still gave up, you know, f- six pieces to go out and acquire these two players, um, and two guys who certainly are going to help. Like you've got a guy who automatically gets inserted into your top six, and then you get a guy Noel Chari who automatically inserted into your bottom six and provides offense right away. First two games, guys puts one in the back yeah. of the net. He's a former 20-goal scorer. He's going to kill you penalties. He's going to run around. He's going to hit guys. And they both bring a little bit of an edge. And that's something that has really lacked in this lineup. So they bring so much to the table. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens the, the final 25 games down the stretch as these guys kind of work their way into the Leafs lineup. Let's see what our TSN Hockey Insider Darren, Drag- Darren Drager thinks is going to happen down the stretch with these new acquisitions. Uh, Dregs, how's it going this morning? Yeah, it's going well. Uh, I mean, obviously, time will tell. I know that's a non-answer, but, uh, you know, Toronto seemingly tired last game, didn't look very good. Um, you know, see how they fare going into uh, a Buffalo team tonight that is playing for something, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a Sabres team that has proven that they're worthy of our notice. And, uh, you know, they've... They've flipped their, they've had their share of adversity here in the second half injury and otherwise, but they're still going to be formidable. So let's see what another game with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari will do to maybe spark the group along. Yeah, take us through Friday night, Drags. What were you up to? Were you aware, sniffing that something was going on between the Leafs and the St. Louis Blues? It kind of came out of nowhere on Friday night. Yeah, more or less. uh, You know, it, it did. Um, and, you know, that was made pretty evident in how it was ultimately released by the clubs. Um, you know, I, I think that we all knew that Toronto would and had expressed some interest, especially in Ryan O'Reilly. And then if you look at Achari, and, you know, even in a couple of games, you can see why there'd be interest in him, you know, in, in terms of how he plays the game and everything that he'll bring into Toronto's bottom six. But I don't think anybody had a read on how close it was. And, you know, I, I think it heated up over the course of the day, again, somewhat under the radar. And maybe perhaps could have even been bigger than what it ended up being. But for Kyle Dubas to pull this off, uh, even though not that long ago he indicated that he wasn't real interested in moving his first round pick, um, was going to be as aggressive as he could be, but wanted to kind of tamp down expectation for him to pull this off. 
sent a, a message, I think, to Leafs Nation, but maybe to the rest of the NHL, that the Maple Leafs are all in. Yeah. They're, they're all in. That doesn't mean that they're you know going to continue to add bigger pieces like Ryan O'Reilly, but I'd be surprised if Dulles doesn't do something to continue to build. How advantageous is it to be able to make this deal pretty early. It's something that we've seen Dubas do from time to time, and, and quite often he, he gets ahead of the market. Like, how advantageous is it for him and the Maple Leafs to do so? Well, I think it is because, you know, you, you risk when you don't strike as early as this of not getting a player uh, or something that you need. And worst case, you end up with nothing or next to nothing. And, you know, given where Toronto sits, and, the, and as, as Dubas put it, you know, he felt like the team earned uh, the, the this transaction to bring in the experience of Ryan O'Reilly and the depth of Noel Achari. And let's, again, see what happens between now and March 3rd. But if you don't close on a deal, when there's opportunity to close on that deal, you're just leaving that door open for somebody else to come in. And I would assume as an NHL GM, there's nothing worse than having a deadline pass and go, you know what? We should have made that trade 10, 11, 12 days ago mm-hmm. because here we are and, you know, we we don't have the pieces that we were hoping to add to, again, bolster what we, we already have. So I'm always in the camp of strike early. And then the other side of that is pretty obvious. I mean, it's, it's going to be the benefit of Ryan O'Reilly and Achari and whomever the Toronto Maple Leafs add, if they add anyone else between now and the deadline, to get in a little bit early and get going, right? It's it's not just a plug and play environment. Like, you know, you've got to develop a chemistry. Let's see if Ryan O'Reilly stays on that second line and Tavares stays on the wing or does he move into the three C spot? All of those things. Well that's some of the experimenting that uh Sheldon Keith can do between now and the deadline or now and, and the the end of the season, whenever that is. So there are some pretty obvious advantages that come along to making moves early. So I guess the only natural follow-up is, do you think that they're done, Drags, between now and March 3rd? I don't, um, but I don't think Kyle or anyone associated with the brass there knows specifically what they're looking for. I think that Dubas is continuing on with conversations pretty much across the board. Uh, could they add a defenseman? Well, the way the defense has played the last game, last couple of games, they, they might have to. Yeah. I'm not trying to be flip here, but those guys need to be better, and they know that. So if there's an affordable upgrade that doesn't gut your resources or heavily influence a decision that maybe has to be made with a core piece in the off season, then I could see them doing that. But I could also see them adding a forward, whether another bottom six guy or unexpectedly – if a player drops down from the top six, you know, into the equation, I could see them doing that as well. But the third option is to do very little. And that's plausible, too, because of everything that Dubas has done. But, you know, just to reaffirm the phrase all in, you don't go all in and then have potential areas of concern or question you know, as you go past the trade deadline. So it's got to be affordable. It's got to be something they can manage. But I think Dubas is going to exhaust every conversation to try and build a better roster, even on the one that he has today going up against the Sabres. What about the one in net, Dregs? Like the question mark in net with, with Matt Murray. Like what's what's the latest there? I know he's placed on LTIR, so we won't see him for a couple more weeks now. 
But yeah. just it feels like there's just not much coming out of Leafs camp. We don't know exactly what's going on, and it's starting to feel eerily similar to or Freddie Anderson a couple of years ago, where it was you know yeah. this ominous injury, didn't know what was yeah. happening, and they went and they did make an upgrade just in case, bringing bring in David Riddick. I know we heard Kyle Dubas say it's not something that he's looking to do, but I mean, again, you, don't you want to make sure that you're kind of checking off all your boxes heading into the deadline and kind of wish? So you're not six weeks later wishing you made a move? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, you know, provided that, you know, the other areas that you have higher priority on are covered off in the meantime. And that's asking a lot, right? So you add the two big forwards from St. Louis, you're dabbling or maybe swinging bigger with another defensive piece, or like we talked about already, adding another forward. That's doing a lot, and now you're going to address uh, – isn't an area of concern, and that's goal cool. I, I think they're being overly cautious with Matt Murray, and I think we can all appreciate why they should be, right? Um, they have to allow the ankle injury, whatever else is, is ailing Matt Murray, to 100% heal up, but then in the process allow Curtis Sanford and the staff of the Toronto Maple Leafs to work his game back into form. He wasn't abysmal. Like he, he, he wasn't a tire fire back there before getting hurt. But you could see that there were some concerns. Gives you opportunity to explore some of those. So I think they are being extra cautious to make sure that every box is checked by the goalie coach and the resources that you have under the umbrella of the Toronto Maple Leafs to eliminate all area of concern. Then the rest is up to Matt Murray. So if if you go into March with Samsonov, Matt Murray, and you still feel pretty good at what you got, you know, in Wall and in Shawburn. Well, that's good goaltending depth. It is good goalie depth. We don't know, aside from what's been speculated, what's available in terms of the goalies out there, right? We can all look at the unrestricted free agents. We can all look at, at some of the, the, the guys who have been caught in the whirlwind of speculation. But are we certain that any of those names are going to be an upgrade for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because I'm not. I'm not. But I also can't rule out that possibility. And I, even though Kyle has, has made a point every single time when asked about it of saying, no, no, they're good with goaltending, again, part of being a general manager in the NHL is considering all areas of improvement. So if there's a piece that he can add at an affordable price, I guess he'd have to consider it. With our TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger right now, and uh, what a night in Chicago on Sunday. Not a banner night for the Leafs by any means, but Patty Kane definitely did his part in uh, proving to the hockey world that he definitely still has some game, a lot of game in fact, with a hat trick, and uh, did it with some serious swagger. What did he do for, for his trade value in that game? Well, it obviously helped it, right? Because everything that swirled around Patrick Kane now that the Jonathan, Jonathan Tate saga um, has, has been disclosed, um, you know, all the speculation around Patrick Kane hasn't necessarily been about trade. It's been more about the injury and how the injury and the hip problem that's been lingering and nagging uh, could impede the probability of his trade. So, look, I mean, what's he playing at? If he's playing at 70 75% and pours in goals like that, um, yeah, I think teams would be pretty comfortable with, with you know getting Pat Kane into the mix. You know, what's the asking price? How many teams are actually involved? And and that's probably the biggest question that nobody can answer with any sort of authority yet. 
you know, is it one team? You know, I saw Larry Brooks write about the New York Rangers potentially yeah. still having the, the appetite and the wherewithal to add Patrick Kane. Well, if that's the case, then I think it's pretty obvious Patrick Kane wants to go to the New York Rangers because he made that abundantly clear after the Tarasenko trade. You know, if it's if it's not just the New York Rangers, you know, can it be the Toronto Maple Leafs after the Maple Leafs pulled off what they did with the St. Louis Blues? Stretch to me. After that, then it gets a little bit more sketchy, right? You know, there's been some loose speculating around, you know, could the Edmonton Oilers have interest? I mean, any playoff team is going to have interest in Patrick Kane, provided it isn't a crippling asking price, and you, you're confident, based on medical intelligence you're going to have to pour through, that he is going to be able to perform in the playoffs. And any of those sorts of speed bumps that become more like brick walls might stop the process. But I think we're going to get a real clear indication of what Patrick Kane wants at some point this week. A couple other guys that are definitely still uh, up on the trade bait board that we thought may have been dealt by now. And I have to ask this question, Dregs. Gavrikov and Chikrin, anything new there? Mm. Not really. You know, a source close to Jake Chikrin told me last night that they wouldn't be surprised if that scenario plays out right at the end, one way or another. Um, so now I think we're all curious to see, okay, well, how does that then translate into when does Jake Chikrin come back into the Arizona Coyotes lineup? And if there's a, an injury that's related to his absence, why did the Coyotes say that he was being held out for trade-related reasons initially, right? Mm. Um, and, and it does question the integrity of a team, even though Arizona's been winning. Columbus has won some games. I think that that's what you know, kind of bolsters the position of the National Hockey League, not to question Armo K. Kalainen or Bill Armstrong, the general managers, about whether or not they're dressing the best lineup possible. That's always the intent of the National Hockey League, right, from a competitive balance perspective. And, you know, there are some teams that don't like the idea that the Blue Jackets aren't dressing Gavrikov. And if Chikrin is healthy, that he's not playing for the Coyotes. And those would be teams that are, you know, trying to desperately hang on to a playoff spot, you know, or teams on the outside trying to claw back into the playoff picture. So really no more clarity on those two defense. And now we're looking at, you know, what is Washington up to? You know, the, the Capitals are, are, you know, kind of twisting there in the wind. They've got some significant pieces on that back end with expiring contracts. Could those guys be in play? There's some intriguing names there, starting with Orlov. Um, what about the Nashville Predators? I think you know, David Poyle is, is kind of, in a gray area right now. He doesn't know whether he should be selling off some of his pieces, whether or not he should be standing pat and, and hoping that his team kind of ignites and gets back in the playoff mix. I mean, there's still a couple of teams that haven't decided what direction they're going yet, and that's why we got to be careful when it, you're, you're talking about Kyle Dubas and what he might do or any other general manager that's perceived to be a buyer. The buyer doesn't quite know what the selling market is entire. I'm curious about a team like like Buffalo or you know maybe even in Pittsburgh and Detroit. Like you can even throw Ottawa in there. Teams that are maybe on the outside looking in. Like, do you see any of those guys becoming legitimate buyers at this deadline? Like, could they be major players here? Uh, well, anything is possible, Mike, and and you have to say and qualify it that way because. 
you know, there's still some unlevel of uncertainty. When I look at the Detroit Red Wings, they've got games in hand. They're not that far off away from the playoff line. They can see that Washington and Pittsburgh, as an example, have faltered here a, a little bit. You know, the New York Islanders now have the Matt Barzell issue with a long-term injury. So what's going to happen there? Um, no surprise, Florida is making things interesting in that playoff equation. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit just sits back and lets that group fight their way into a playoff spot, right? So maybe they use Ty Bertuzzi as an example, uh, as an own rental. That's an old Dave Nonis term. When he was GM of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, you know, he, he used to refer to, you know, guys with, you know, uh, expiring contracts as potential own rentals. You know, why not use them if, if you're trying to do something in the playoffs or in Detroit's case, qualify for the playoffs? You know, Buffalo is, is an interesting study. Um, there's been some speculation around Lawson Krebs out of Arizona in connection to the Buffalo Sabres. Mm. I don't buy it for a second. I don't. I think it's, it's, it's just fabrication at this point. Um, and I don't know why Arizona would want to trade a piece like that. So, uh, I, now the reason I checked into it, I was intrigued because that would be an age-sensitive ad that would make a lot of sense to what Kevin Adams and Buffalo Sabres are trying to do there. But they first need to get a real good look in games that matter as to what they have with some of their young developing players in Buffalo. So they could do something smallish, but I, I really don't think that Buffalo is going to be a big game player. Interesting. Okay. Uh, with our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, right now, and kind of an interesting, uh, unfortunate situation playing out in Colorado right now. Kale McCarr has his second concussion in 11 days. He's back in concussion. Scary. Yeah, it's not yeah. good. Um, what's the level of concern there? And do you think there will be, this will result in any maybe further conversations with, with the spotters and him not getting pulled out of that St. Louis game? Well, there's always that con- uh, conversation, Julian, because, you know, it's, it's how the system is designed. Is it 100% foolproof? Obviously, it's, it's not, but it's better than it was. And, and so because of situations like this, I'm sure that there are internal questions from the commissioner's office down. How can there not be, right? Um, but most concerning is the health of Kale McCart. Uh, because of that window, those two concussions, in such a, a short period of time. Now, we don't know, and, and that's the study of the brain, right? I mean, going back to the Sidney Crosby days when it was fair to question whether or not Crosby was going to be the same, uh, whether or not his career was somewhat in jeopardy because of everything that he had to deal with, and then knock on wood, he's been a superstar player uh, ever since. So thankfully, all of that stuff is behind them. So. You know, the, the science of, of how these things are treated, the sensitivity and all of that bodes well for athletes, and in this case, NHL star players, but there has to be a level of uncertainty. So let's hope the best for Kale McCarr and uh, hope that he returns to the form that has him almost in a category by himself when it comes to that type of yeah, absolutely. We want nothing but the best for uh, for Kill McCart because the game's in a much better spot when he's yeah. tearing up the league. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, just no. I don't even know how to say. Like, there's a little speed bump, perhaps, and he can get going and and he could be okay. Uh, appreciate the time as always, Dregs. We'll chat again next week. All right, guys, have a great week. You as well. There he goes, Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider.
sure he will be extremely busy oh, over yeah. the next week and a bit. I found next it. Friday, trade deadline, next Friday. That is crazy. It's yes. really come up fast here. Yes. Yeah, and a lot to be decided to drag this point. Like, Nashville doesn't know if they're buying or selling. Like, there's a couple teams that still have to decide what they're doing here. Yeah, like, Nashville's an interesting team. Like, what's Pitt going to do? Washington is, is Washington a team of late. Pitt, yeah. They've lost four games in a row, Washington has. And they're just... But how do you sell uh, when you still have Ovi? Like, I know. It's so... It's, so, like, I, I know it's almost like... totally similar, but I feel like Pittsburgh and Washington are kind of in... Uh, but might they be better? Situations. Might they be better off like punting on this season, picking up some like younger players, some picks potentially, moving out some contracts, and then reloading next year, knowing yeah. that this team isn't going to do anything like this. It's just not right. They're just not there. Maybe they are better off. Almost like Masai Jury did this years ago, where he said, "Playing for what?" Right? Like he didn't make a, a, any trades at the deadline because he didn't care <laughs> yeah. about the playing because it wasn't team was going to win a championship. And I almost like, what if that's the situation right now in Washington and Pittsburgh? It's like, I mean, maybe we can limp into a wild card spot, maybe, but this team might not even do that. And if so, why are we going to go and buy things? And like, I don't see these guys as as buyers at the deadline. Yeah, I don't necessarily see them as sellers, but it sounds as though Washington is inching closer to that uh, to that market. Buffalo, though, like, I mean, we're gonna get a good good up close and personal view of the Sabers tonight, right? Like, Leafs are in Buffalo. You can listen to that game here on TSN 1050. Um, you know, that's a good young spunk team and and they've got some serious um quality young players that are developing into stars like tage thompson alex tuck is is yeah. an unbelievable player career rasmus dalene is having a career year you know they've got owen power who's still what 20 years old i think yep. and matias samuelson they've got some serious young talent and like is that a team that could make a run here in the at the in the back half of the season you make one big trade invigorate that lineup and all like Patty Kane is Buffalo born. Oh yeah. By the way. Yeah. It's noted. Pretty sure his family still lives there. Like mm-hmm. his his parents still live in Buffalo. So, I mean, that's an interesting team perhaps that yep. could get in on the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. I don't know if he'd want to go there, but that is an interesting team nonetheless. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to be uh, decided. And that's that's just in the east. Like we didn't even talk about what's going on in the west, but what the hell's Calgary going to do? I have like, no idea. Calgary just lost to what Philly is. last night. Yeah. Like, what are you? If you're Brad Treliving, how do you look at this team and say, "I need to buy because this team deserves it"? Like, do they? Does that group honestly deserve for a Ryan O'Reilly type move? Like, we were talking about this with CJ. There was it CJ? Maybe it was Craig. And we asked him last week. He's like, "Oh, they should get Timo Meyer." I mean, has that group proven that they deserve to get a Timo Meyer? No, they haven't proven anything like, this year. They lost to Philadelphia. Like, no disrespect. Right in the but, midst of, like, your team's in the in, oh. the in the in so much mud right now, so much discourse around your team. Like, you could really quiet the waters by, not even quiet them, but you could just beat Philadelphia. <laughs> just to beat Philadelphia because you're supposed to. And, like, right. maybe you could quiet things down just a touch in that market. You've told everybody that your group is so close, the outside noise isn't bothering you. And then you'll lose to Philly? Like maybe it is, boys. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a t- who do you think uh, that's a, that's a tough question, but who do you think regrets their off-season move more? Oh. Calgary or the Islanders when they moved on from Barry Trotz? Like those are two teams that that probably had playoff expectations yeah. from the end of the year and it has not gone that way Here's for me. Here's my either. thoughts. Maybe 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 the Islanders cuz it was more of an unforced error. 
You know what I mean? Like Calgary yeah. was going to have those two guys move on, and they were going to have to figure out how they were going to put the pieces back together. Well, Goudreau, he was free agent, I guess. He moved on. So I guess it's the Kachuk deal. Yeah. Moved, but Kachuk made it clear he was going to walk, right? Right. So, right. I think I got to well, go Islanders in that scenario. Unforced errors are always well, just major yeah. L's. Look what you're paying Jonathan Huberto to score 11 goals. <laughs> oh, like, so Maybe you true. were better letting Kachuk walk and having all that cap space. Yeah. It's you true. know, like I. I eh. Hopefully he rebounds because he's a special talent. Hopefully he does rebound for Calgary and that team kind of puts it together because I think they're a good team. They just they're Look, cool at goaltending. I don't know what's going on with Markstrom this year. He's broken. He's, I don't know how we fix him. Oh God, he's been brutal this season. We have brutal. some investigative reporting to do in the midst of our commercial break because I discovered this note. Yeah, and it has my name on it. Oh, it says. It's clearly like, I don't know who was sitting here, but someone was trying to remember to make a joke. But I need to know what this says because I, I can't quite decipher the writing. Okay, says, let's take a Thought break. Thought Julia was oh. going to be, I don't know. I see Shane equals safe. I see Scholastic Frankie, question mark. Like clearly someone was making what? jokes and trying to remind themselves <laughs> of how to make said joke. But we have to figure out. Okay, let's investigate. This. Let's investigate during the break. We'll be back. And, and we'll come back. Let's get our thoughts on the trade. We haven't really. Yeah. We didn't get to dive too deep into it. We talked about with Dregs. Let's get our thoughts on the big deal landing Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. Can't forget about him. Big piece. And Josh Pilar. Let's put some respect on his okay. name as well. <laughs> Pilar coming to Toronto. He's back. He's back, of course. Uh, later on the show, we'll be joined by Joe DiBiase um, from Buffalo. And then Jay Rosso going to join us as well in the 1 o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly's pedigree speaks for itself, um, but his defensive prowess, his playoff performance, um, what he brings to our uh, center position, uh, and what he will bring to our team on and off the ice, we thought was vital for trying to accomplish what we're about to try to accomplish, especially uh, with the level of competition that we're going to face. Lease busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. And that was Kyle Dubas talking about his home run swing over the weekend. Definitely his biggest move as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs to bring Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari to the Leafs for this postseason push where they hope to hope to go all the way here ab it's it's you and i right now julie to sherry mike stefano and leafs lunch we're gonna have jay rosehill uh in in the next hour joe dibiase on pretty soon to tee up this leafs sabers game tonight but the trade went down late friday night so we haven't had a chance to, to just talk about it between the two of us so you see it on Twitter? Did you get the email? What was what was the way that you were alerted, AB? Yeah, so I have like the Maple Leafs Twitter or whatever, like alerts pushed to my phone. So yeah. like anytime they tweet whatever, it goes to my phone. So I got their Twitter alert right away and I was like, wow. And right away retweeting it, sending it out to whoever and then, you know, just had a chance to react to it like you know just chatting with everybody like the group chats were on fire oh, yeah. like on fire with everybody and i think it's because you look at it and this is this is exactly what they needed like this is ex- like it just fills the need so well it brings in a guy who's been there before he's won it he's been a con smythe winner which means he knows how to play 
in the playoffs, in the biggest, like on the grandest stage in the Stanley Cup final. They had five goals in the Cup final the year that St. Louis won. Five goals yeah. in that seven-game series. Like, massive X factor for them there. So you're bringing that in. And he also just plays extremely reliable defensively four years in a row where he's been top five in Selkie voting. And you saw that on display pretty early. Like, yeah. I think it was Michael Bunting after the game on Saturday was like, the first thing he noticed about him was he's got a crazy active stick. Like, that guy's stick is always moving. He's Craziest always disrupting. stick in the league, too. He's a we disruptor. He is a dis. Well, yeah, there's a... Craziest <laughs> curve. I can't <laughs> believe that curve, curve plays for the Leafs now. Like, yeah. one of the wildest oddities of hockey but it is it is but he that and he's just wielding that thing around always like the always active and nola chari can tell you know just a a very heavy stick as well like that was something that you know when i was reading up on him and and listening to some former you know players and guys that he play against they're like he's got a he's got a heavy stick like he comes down on you pretty hard and it's tough tough to move that guy from his spot you saw that in chicago right the guy kind of got got inside the defender there and was able to bang away at a, a shot in tight and scored yeah yeah. Like and and that's something that the Maple Leafs have missed so much is they don't have that guy who would go to the net and just score those greasy garbage goals. The ones that Corey Perry and Pat Maroon and Piero Belmar always score. Yeah. Always. And the Leafs just didn't really have that on the fourth line. A lot of it because they just don't have the guys who have the size to compete in that dirty area with the headmans of the world. So now they do, and a guy like Noel Chari. So I, I think this is such a brilliant pickup. They killed two birds with one stone, improving the top six, improving the bottom six, and really by bringing in O'Reilly onto the second line that allowed you to move uh, Yarncroft down to the third line where he's more properly slotted, and then you move Kerfoot down to the fourth line, and now all of a sudden you've got a little bit of offense with Kerfoot, Achari, who's a former 20-goal scorer. Like, this is a guy who yeah. has scored 20 in 66 got games. Got two and two. He plays heavy. Absolutely. Five shots, five hits in his, his Maple Leafs debut. Awesome. Like, there's not a lot of guys who will do I've that. I've seen a lot he'll, of oh, Achari fight clips he'll flying him. around over the weekend. It was Absolutely. very exciting. Kills penalties, run. like, eats pucks for living. Yeah. Like, it, it, honestly, the, the Noel Chari pickup was so sneakily... Like, it's an underrated pickup. Yeah. It really was like... O'Reilly, everyone knows what that guy's all about. Now it's massive. Now it's huge. But, like, we can't sleep on this Achari move. Like, that's that's such a big boost for that fourth line. Yeah. And a penalty kill. Both of them. Which is something we noted was poor and needed to be improved upon in any move that they made. And they got two guys who can do that in this trade. Yeah, both of these guys. The other, like, it wasn't... So I'm just looking at Ryan O'Reilly's playoff production. And that one run when they won the cup, obviously, was... He won the Conn Smythe, 23 points in 26 games. But every time he's in the playoffs, A.B., he, he he puts up points. Even last year when they made that push and it was like, are they going to be Colorado for a second? When yeah. Right before Biddington before got Biddington, hurt yeah. and he was kind of playing out of his mind. 12 points in 12 games. The year before, they only made it through a round. Four points in those three games. The year before, nine po- 11 points in nine games played. Like He performs consistently in the playoffs. It wasn't yep. just a one-off with him. So. No. Hopefully he continues. Guy's a gamer. Guy's a gamer, and he's in the blue and white now. And uh, according to Sheldon Keefe, he's going to remain in the 2C hole. And Tavares to the wing isn't a one-off. They're going to get a serious look here. So we'll see it again tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, another guy who's going to be watching that game pretty intensely, Joe DiBiase uh, from WGR 550 in Buffalo. He's going to join us on the other side to help tee up the game. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. 
Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. It's the Leafs and the Sabres tonight. You can watch that game on TSN 4, listen to it right here on TSN 1050, but uh, make sure to mark down your calendars. It's a bit of a weird one. Puck drop at 730. Pre-game at 7, so make sure you're aware of that. And with that, let's bring in Locked on Sabres host, Joe DiBiase. How's it going, Joe? It's going good. How are you guys? Good. So I, I'm curious about, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's not a it's not a revenge game by any means for Ryan O'Reilly, but that breakup was, <laughs> was ugly between uh, he and the Sabres. How much is, has the O'Reilly trade hindsight perspective changed in the past, uh, I don't know, six months since Tage Thompson <laughs> has started to rip it up? And, and do you think um, that he'll get booed tonight, or do you think it's over? Well, one, it definitely has changed a lot. I mean... It it was one of the laughing stock trades of the league. Yep. And now, I mean, now it's being called like the, one of the biggest win win trades in the league in the yeah. past. So I I don't think he'll get booed. He definitely got booed his first game back, maybe even his first couple games back. I'm not gonna lie though, Jack Eichel becoming the villain <laughs> that he has become in the last year or so in Buffalo. I, like I'm not saying Ryan O'Reilly is the most popular guy in Buffalo and that he'll get a standing ovation or anything, but uh, his approval rating has probably gone up from, I don't know, if it was 25% at one point, it might be closer to 50 now just because you know, he's one of the faces of that team that that was supposed to win here and definitely didn't, but he's no longer, I would guess, the uh, he's, no, he's not public enemy number one from that team anymore. So from an outside perspective, what'd you make of that deal that came down uh, Friday night? Ryan O'Reilly coming to Toronto, obviously spent a couple of years in Buffalo, so you know what he's all yeah. about. What can he bring to the Maple Leafs lineup? I like it a lot, actually. I thought, I, I'm not sure how much of the reaction was, well, they way overpaid. Was it 20 points and they gave up a first, second, and third, or whatever the price was. Um, and I looked at it and thought, yeah, okay, he's got eight assists on the season, or it was six maybe in St. Louis, but... He still is producing. He's still one of the better defend, defensive forwards in hockey. A lot of his advanced numbers show he is still getting production. Maybe a lot of it was his situation and his team. I saw right, right when the trade happened, I forget who it was, but he wins above replacement is like in the 86th percentile this season among forwards. So maybe the numbers just haven't been coming, but the play's been there. Um, so that plus, I just don't really think – those picks are actually worth all that much. I mean, a late first-round pick for Toronto. The guy's going to take three years to develop, and maybe he'll be, if, if you dream of him being as good as O'Reilly. Um, the second and third-round pick, you know, like those are lottery tickets at this point. So you're a team like Toronto. You're trying to win the Stanley Cup. The guy, I think, is a productive player. He can play anywhere in your top six. And I do think his numbers um, this season, the goals and assists at least, were a little bit of more so where he was playing than – what what version of him you're going to be getting. So I thought and one other fact on that, I'm sure you've talked about it, the cap hit. I mean, Tampa yeah. set, the, set the standard a couple years ago by trading a first for Barclay Goodrow, and everyone's like, he's not worth that. Oh, yeah. but wait, one, point two cups. per dollar <laughs> amount, it's like a million and a half dollars. Sure, spend a first-round pick. It's perfect. 
We're with Joe DiBiase right now. He hosts Locked on Sabres. And I mentioned that the vibes have completely changed around, uh, well, Tage Thompson specifically since he started to tear it up this year. But such a, such a good feeling around the Buffalo Sabres right now with them making a push for the playoffs. This has been dreamed about yeah. for so long in that city. Just talk to me a little bit about that shift from the pa- fan base over this season. Like I feel like that... Um, letter from fans from from Darlene was was such kind of a turning point, and it was a good embodiment yeah. of of how things are feeling in Buffalo right now. Yeah, I mean it's coming, it's it's on the way back, uh, and it's happening a lot quicker than I would have thought. Um, yeah, the letter from Darlene. I mean, the overall atmosphere of the team, the fact that it's a bunch of young guys, nobody's let the fans down really among yeah. the among the the core group, which I think it's just being new and fresh. Um, does matter a lot in this regard. So the fans are coming back. I mean, the attendance numbers have been almost downright embarrassing the last couple of years. But they're, I mean, you've got an NHL record playoff drought. The Sabres have a very large percentage of their season ticket base based in southern Ontario. That went away completely with the pandemic. So the, the season ticket number being way down, the team being on a drought, I mean, it was rock bottom, and I think it's going to take. It, it seemed like it was going to take a lot of time, for the organization to boost those ticket numbers back up, get the fan base back to being hopeful, and I would say that in a year or year and a half, whenever you want to put the starting point, they've done as good a job as possible, and I think the the core source of that is just they've got the youngest team in hockey, and it's the first playoff race that fans have experienced in honestly ten years. Well, how much credit does Kevin Adams deserve? Like, kind of cleaning up the mess that he inherited. He, you know, moved out some guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jack Eichel was was a, a situation when he became the general manager. He made that deal, bringing in Alex Tuck and some other pieces, and you know, he's having an unbelievable yeah. season. But then pinpointing, you know, who he believes is the core of this team. You know, Darlene. Tage Thompson, we just saw him re-sign Dylan Cousins. Matias Samuelson got a big co- uh, contract, which raised eyebrows around the league, but, I mean, he's a pretty good player when you watch him. I mean, how much does he deserve for the success, uh, credits does he deserve for the success that Buffalo's having and the bright future that looks like it may be lying ahead for them? I, I definitely think a lot of it. Um, I think he's done everything process-wise the right way. Some things have been arguable. I think when they paid Tage Thompson, it was debatable. Is that a good idea? You're giving them that contract after one year, but there is a clear strategy in place by this GM that when he thinks he's got it figured out who the core pieces of this team are, even when there might still be some risk of regression like there would have been with Thompson, he wants to sign them, and he wants to sign them early because if it works out that the players you're projecting to be your core group are your core group, well, three years from now, we're, we're going to – Ideally, I mean, this is a dream scenario. Fans around the NHL or people covering the NHL in different markets are going to look at the Sabres cap friendly page and say, how the heck do they have Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson for $14 million with that one-two center punch the same way they used to with Nathan McKinnon, who was making $6.5 million. That's a lofty goal to have, but I think that's the strategy in place by Adam. Sign them early, take on some risk, but the upside is three, four years from now, you're going to have all this cap space because all of your core group players are on team-friendly contracts. And I, Yeah, go ahead. No, I, just, I find it hilarious like, just, to, just to go off on that. Whenever people talk about like the biggest sweetheart deals in the league, no one ever mentions the yeah. fact that Tage Thompson is making $1.4 million this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Right, the contract hasn't even kicked in yet. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's insane yeah. what this guy's been able to do, and and you know, I think that's been a big reason for why the team has had so much success. So, with that though, Joe, I'm curious what the mindset is in Buffalo right now when it comes to the trade deadline because they're still a young and growing team. Yeah. Like, do you think that they are ready to kind of push the chips in a little bit? Like, not an all-in move, but make a sizable addition to kind of help bring in a veteran into this group? Like, what do you think the mindset is right now for Kevin Adams surrounding the uh, DHL trade deadline and what the Sabres might do? Yeah, it depends what you mean by all-in move, but I think the trade they could make is worthy of being described that. I don't you know, Jacob Chickren's the name. I mean, we're talking about him almost every day. Um, Timo Meyer was a thought, too. There were some links, but I don't really think that's going to happen. Chickren, it just almost makes too much sense. He is 24. He fits your timeline age-wise. The Sabres have, I think they're second in the league in goal still. They have one of the highest-scoring teams in hockey. Forward-wise, you're fine. Um, the blue line is top-heavy. Darlene and Power have been incredible. Samuelson has been great. After that, it starts to get a little rocky. And with the goaltending situation being what it is, a defenseman like that, I think, would do wonders for them. And it's not like they're getting a 30-year-old rental. It's a guy that, if you trade for him, you plan on signing him to a seven- or eight-year contract extension. And I think that type of move is completely warranted by this team. Like It's time to win. They've got the deepest prospect pool in hockey, arguably. They've got a million draft picks. They could trade their top two prospects in a first-round pick tomorrow, and they would still have one of the, the greatest, one of the best pipelines in hockey. So spending a little of that currency, prospect and pick-wise, on a guy that would fit your group perfect, would fit your timeline perfect. And by the way, Boston being in this market, I don't know, I think Toronto's probably made their move, but you should be competing with Boston on the long term. You don't, you're not competing with them now, but... They, they could trade for Jacob Chickering tomorrow, and that's a guy you got to deal with for the next 10 years. Yeah. And I think the Sabres should be thinking that way, that they shouldn't be afraid to make a move right now just because they're not in cup contention. Because you are going to be competing with these divisional rivals for the next 5 to 10 years if your plan goes goes the right way. Patrick Kane, question mark? That I, <laughs> I was I, I was betting. I was wondering what the odds were of whether or not you were of even to mention the name. Uh, well, I mean, hey, he had a hell of a show against the Maple Leafs the other day. He's from <laughs> Buffalo, and I don't know. For me, like, it, it sounds like. Like, I know all the reporting is he hasn't made up his mind, but you listen to the yeah. words that have come out of his mouth the last, like, couple of weeks, how upset he was about the situation. They after sound like verbal middle fingers. Like, kind of. I don't know. I feel like he wants to get out, but at the same time, going back home to play for Buffalo, but are they close enough in terms of being a championship team for him to want to go there? I, I don't know about that, but that would be an interesting name. I wonder if Kevin Adams at least is making the phone call. Yeah. I'll be honest. I guess I don't know about the offseason. There's zero chance they're trading for him. But I guess I don't know about the offseason when he's a free agent. And But I would guess no chance because I don't know that there's a desire on either side. Patrick Kane, I mean, every summer he would come back to Buffalo for a long time. It seemed like every single time he would get in trouble off the ice. The, the famous rape allegation, there were other stuff. And it got to a point where Chicago had to tell him. The organization had to get in his ear, hey, stop going back to Buffalo during the offseason. And he did. So I don't know what the desire is on him to come here. They're not yet ready to prove, hey, you can win a Stanley Cup here. They're not at that point. 
and for the Sabres, it doesn't fit timeline-wise um, in that just the age. I just don't think they'd want to spend that contract on that position at that age. The only thing I wonder about is ownership. Is, is the owner going to fall in love with that idea? I don't, do not think it would ever come from management, like Kevin Adams. But does the owner love the idea of just seeing number 88 in a Sabre uniform and say, hey, go offer him $9 million and make it happen? Um, but short of that, I just I don't really see it in the cards. Uh, is there a buzz right now in uh, in Buffalo? You got the Maple Leafs coming to town. It's funny. I was looking at their the, yeah. the Sabers record and their home record. Surprisingly, for a team that's in it, eleven fourteen and two sub five hundred home record. But it's typically like yeah. a road game when Toronto's in town. Does that bode well for the Sabers? I it, their their home road record is interesting because they actually like some of the advanced numbers show they actually have been better at home. They just run into insane goaltending. Um, that might that record might be a little fluky, but maybe not. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what it's like. Is it going to be 50-50 Toronto Sabre fans? It'll be 60-40 Toronto to Sabre fans or 60-40 Sabre. Whatever it is, um, the atmosphere is always incredible. I, I don't know that you guys complain about this as much as we do because <laughs> I definitely think this rivalry, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, this rivalry is more one-sided. Sabre fans think of Toronto as a rival. I'm sure Leafs fans think more of Montreal and Boston and Ottawa. But because there are bigger rivals for the Leafs to schedule, the Sabres and Leafs only play each other three times this year, one time in Buffalo. And I think that stinks. I think that stinks because those games are – like you could point to, well, Leafs fans filling up the Sabres' buildings is embarrassing. Man, I don't don't care about that. Sure, say it's embarrassing, but it's fun. When those games are 50-50 – both fan bases competing chance at each other. There's constant energy in the building. It is so unique to, to sports to have a building be 50-50 like that. So whatever, man. If it's an embarrassment or not, every time Toronto comes here, Sabre fans love it. This is the ones especially going to be in the building. It's super energetic. Um, and they usually win. A little staff for it. Yeah. 100 <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. 115 games these two teams have played in Buffalo, and I think Toronto's only won like 33. <laughs> Buffalo always always gives That's Toronto hilarious. troubles. Doesn't matter where they are in the standings. Always yep. seem to give them troubles. Uh, we got to fly, though, Joe. Appreciate you taking the time, as always. We'll chat again down the road. Yeah, of course, guys. Anytime. All right. There he goes. Joe DiBiase from uh, Locked on Sabres and uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo. All right. On the other side, Jay Rosehill. Former Maple Leaf and Coast of Leafs Morning Take will join us. We'll continue to tee up the game, get his thoughts on the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And we also got uh, what's in the group chat coming up at 1.30. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashari. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.